Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns, and this is the show where we share cutting edge strategies and acquiring leads and sales for your business through paid traffic, be it Facebook, Instagram, Google, direct mail, accosting people in the Barnes and Noble marketing section, which is one of the ways in which I got one of my first customers, by the way, I don't think we ever talked about that ever, or any other way in which to get traffic and conversion for your business in the online world. I am joined here by my awesome co-host, Kasim Aslam. How are you, buddy? I'm, I'm good, Ralph. I'll just say for the record that we at Perpetual, Perpetual Traffic do not support the accosting customers at Barnes & Noble. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, it those were desperate times <laughs> back, back then. Fired twice, needed money. You know, the affiliate thing was kind of running out of steam, and you know, there we were costing people at uh, Barnes and Noble. Tell, tell like, wow, I'm curious, you know, like, what, how did how did it happen? What, what was the? Uh, well, I noticed this guy was was reading a a marketing book oh. in Barnes and Noble, and uh, it, and I said, well, do you have a website? And he ended up saying yes. And he ended up being a member of a BNI, like a business networking international in a different town. And so I ended up going and not joining because when you're in BNI, this is when I was first starting. It's like I was really focused on local businesses, but I went to his BNI and there he became at that point in time, like a black hat SEO customer. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for a short period of time, and then we obviously we we sort of switched our business model in 2011, 2012 into more social. So you're no longer Black Hat SEO, Ralph, off the table. No, no, and I think we both started in SEO, and I was definitely Black Hat with link wheels. Dude, everybody, that's what SEO was. SEO is yeah. by definition. Google says if you try to manipulate the rankings in any way, it's it's uh, it's against their terms of service. So all mm -hmm. SEO is Black Hat. Yeah. So you are forgiven, my son. It totally is. Yeah. That's why you're doing paid because it's much easier. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It took me years to see a the light. I have a lot of respect for the SEO people. We've had some really good SEO guests on this show, but, and it's not something that you should discount because it's still important. But as you, as a Google guy knows, those SEO results are way below the fold now because, <laughs> you know, father Google wants to sell you paid ads all the way through in a couple of thumb scrolls down your iPhone or your, you know, whatever phone you have. Uh, it's crazy. So, but yeah, so that's what we talk about here on the show. And the, I'm explaining this to people for the first time listener potentially, but you kind of know what we talk about here yeah. in perpetual traffic. Today, we're actually going to be talking about some really interesting stuff about like this last year of 2021, which was a challenging year, I think, for a lot of us out there in the marketing world. Maybe not quite so much for you, but maybe your time is coming in 2022 or beyond. <laughs> uh, but there is something that we love to do at Perpetual Traffic, 
or on perpetual traffic. I don't know if it's at or in or on. It's like around around perpetual traffic is to read reviews, good reviews from our dedicated listeners. And this one is one that I'm going to read today because it's a particularly good one from Glenn from Oz. Glenn from Oz. So I am, I'm going to assume Glenn is from Australia because that's Aussie's. I think he's from a magical land where the Emerald city, (laughs) he might be from the Emerald city. That's right. right. The lions, tigers, and bears and uh, red slippers. So, He says, I've been listening to the podcast from the very beginning. One of my go-tos, all things Facebook marketing. Since the days of Ralph Molly and company, that was Molly Pittman, an excellent co-host here at Perpetual Traffic for years. Uh, Now, this is the best part of all, which is something I think you're going to hold dear to your heart forever. I'm so excited. Now, with the addition of boy band aspirant, the long, luscious locks and rich dulcet tones Qasem Aslam the podcast has gone up a level can I just interrupt this reading for a moment and say that I actually take umbrage with this review (laughs) it's the word aspirant who's to say Ralph that you and I aren't a boy band already well you know it might be a little bit of a shot there actually you're not quite boy band status quite yet but perpetual traffic I suppose you're you know you're a one-man boy band um, so Wakasim brings cutting edge Google knowledge and on and on and on he goes here, which is kind of disgusting, actually. I'm kind of getting sick of, you know, you being called boy wonder, so smart. If you could just sort of bring it down a level in 2022 so I look smarter, is that something that maybe you could just do as a favor to me? Because he's he mentions me in this a little bit, but not really all that much. It's really it's it's all about you. So um says he stole your signature sign-off phrase. So he's at least imitation is the greatest form of flattery. (laughs) He did. So, yeah. And he's got his own podcast. So we know he's legitimate. And uh, oddly enough, isn't your mom named Glenn? Also named Glenn. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So unless she has a podcast that she lives in Australia, this is probably an actual listener. So anyway, thank you, Glenn from Oz. And um, yeah, we might have to do some boy band singing here in 2022. But uh, you play the guitar and I've I've seen you play on your ads. You're you're a badass. Yes, I do play guitar. I don't know any boy band songs. (laughs) They they don't have a lot of guitar. I recall. (laughs) They don't have a lot of anything, right? It's just (laughs) they have a lot of hairspray. A lot of hairspray and sampling and dancing and syncopated yeah. dancing, which I definitely don't do. So uh, anyway, so yeah, thank you to Glenn from Oz. And as always, leave your ratings on the show and we'll try and read them. Not try. We will We you will read them on the show. I hate the word try. It's like do or do not. There is no try. I think Yoda said that. That was Mr. Uh, Miyagi. Yeah, or Mr. Miyagi, that's too. That's, they're very similar. Um <laughs> So today we're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff, right? Like I said, we're going to be talking about 2022, our projections, as well as some of the things we learned in 2021. I think you'll really enjoy that. This was uh, this was a challenging year, especially if you're into paid social, um, and uh, a lot of things have changed. But like, what doesn't change in digital marketing anyway? So it's just we're rolling with the punches and continuing to get better and better. Hopefully. You're learning a few things here on the show to help your marketing and your online challenges to make them a little bit less challenging. Uh, So stick around. We're going to get into that right after this quick break. 
You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Hey, y'all, just a quick message from our friends at Wix e-commerce, the industry-leading e-commerce platform with a robust, customizable, future-ready solution. If you're looking to launch, run, and scale your online store successfully, Wix e-commerce has all you need. From a customizable storefront, through marketing and management systems, to a full-stack dev tool, Wix e-commerce has you covered. Go to wix.com forward slash e-commerce today and join over 700,000 active stores selling worldwide. Hey, PT listeners, if you own or work in a startup, chances are you're probably caught up in a world of craziness. That's startup life, but it doesn't have to be yours because we want to tell you about a new content series, The Seven Levels of Scale. In it, Ryan Dice shares his proven path to take your business from a struggling startup to a high profit, high impact, exitable business that gives you the wealth and freedom you deserve. If you want to know more, head to getscalable.com slash go. That's getscalable.com slash go, and you can download a free guide to show you what level of scale you're currently at and how you can scale quickly and profitably to the next. All right, we are back here. It's just me and Kasim today, or Kasim and I. Thank God. Solo. Yeah. I'm yeah. sick of guests. None of, none of those pesky guests. They want to talk about Nick themselves, bro. Like, I know. They're so me-driven. I know. You know? Gosh, can you imagine? All these... <laughs> All they want to do is like they don't want to talk about us. <laughs> the nerve! <laughs> I know. <laughs> so twenty twenty one. So talk to me about twenty twenty one, Kasim. There's um, and and sort of looking forward to the coming year. Uh, what are some of the things that you learned in twenty twenty one? And and maybe give us a crystal ball into what you see happening in the in the coming year not necessarily in your space per se, in the Google paid ad space, which is what you know and do pretty well. Uh, 
like talk to me about that. Like, what did you learn this past year, and and how does that project out to the to twenty twenty two? So I've got I've got a list of five, uh, and and shut me up, Ralph, when it stops being interesting. But uh, Hector, our producer, wanted the the five things you learned, and so I've got my list here. And the first one, I'm going to get biblical on you if you don't mind. Um, and it comes from a, a lecture that uh, a thought leader that I love gave uh, a gentleman named Jordan Peterson gave a lecture, and he said that the flood is always coming. And that sounds a little like dark and macabre and apocalyptic, but I think it it encapsulates 2021 pretty well. And it's important for us as entrepreneurs to remember that there's always going to be some level of tumult change. You know, some, sometimes it's going to be small and sometimes it's going to be big, but so many of us got caught with our pants down and I'm no exception. So I think remembering that the flood is always coming. And that doesn't mean that you, you, you know, hunker down in, in, in your bunker and don't do anything. It just means that you prepare. And, you know, I mean, if you're, if you have, if you have insurance, if you have any form of insurance, you're, you're now by my definition a prepper. And, and so now the question isn't like, oh, am I a crazy prepper? Am I not? It's just what, what all do you want to be prepared for? Which leads me into my number two, and I'll just rattle these off real quick and then we can dig into them or we can move on. But it's diversify. I think the lack of diversification that we saw from not just marketing agencies, but more companies is, um, I think it's asking for trouble when the flood comes. So uh, diversifying your everything, uh, but definitely where you go to get your traffic. And that'll help make sure that you're not at the mercy of, you know, whatever ad or network or change ends up coming and sweeping through. And by the way, I'm a Google ads guy. I own a Google ads agency and I'm telling you to divert. You shouldn't, you know, if you're hundred percent Google ads, you should go diversify from Google ads. Um, I don't know how that lands Ralph, or if you wanted to challenge, your I think meter. It, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I will, I will put my own sort of spin on it is that I think complacency kills. Oh, what a good one. And I think uh, it's really hard sometimes to get yourself into the mindset. And I tell my team this all the time and they hate it. They probably hate a lot of things that I say. But one of the things I say is when things are going good, that's when I get the most nervous. Mm. And that I can't tell you how many times that's happened. It's like I, I come up from work and I'm like, yeah, I really feel like, you know, the team's kind of gelling here. Everything's coming together. And it means that things are about to change for me. And I, I that doesn't mean that I'm fatalistic or that I'm negative. I, I tend to think that negative thinking is really, really helpful. And entrepreneurship is this balance of positivity and negativity. And I'm a huge pro football fan. I never played football because I was, you know, skinny and, you know, 99 pounds and 4'11", I think, in my freshman year in high school with pipe clean. You could have been the football. I could have been I could have been the football. I would have been the water boy, really. I don't think I could even carry the water. But anyway, I was so weak and, you know, scrawny. But I love pro football because it's all about Especially, I mean, I'm a New England, New England Patriots fan, which probably will we just know, lost half alien, of our uh, like alienate yeah. like ninety percent of our listenership. But I love the Patriots and I love Bill Belichick. The reason I love Bill Belichick is because they're playing the Buffalo Bills this weekend, which I can't wait to watch. But 
he always figures out like where the weakness is of the opponent and exploits that game plans around it. And what he also does really, really well, and I think this is the thing I take from him business-wise, is he's constantly looking at the downside risk, like all the things that you do wrong and improving on those things. And so much so that when he was an assistant coach in the New York Giants under Bill Parcells, he was called gloom. <laughs> so it's like he's, he's the most successful, arguably – He's the most successful coach in professional football. That can be debated. I think by the time he retires, he will be. I mean, come on, people. Like, he's done pretty well. Eight rings the guy has. Two with the Giants, six with the Patriots. Point I love is, that you act like I'm arguing with you right now. I know. Like, I, I am. Said I, nothing I, to the contrary. I know. <laughs> I, I'm arguing hypothetically <laughs> with the people that are like, that's total crap. No, it's George Hallis or whoever is going to say How whoever the best coach of all time is. Point is, is that um, – he has this really like good balance between negativity and working on the things that you need to improve on and positivity for the future, but not looking too far out. It's mm. always sort of like the next game, the next week, you know, never looking too far out to the playoffs or the, you know, already a Super Bowl team. Like he doesn't like we have nine wins right now. Like that was asked to him this week. Like, are you guys gonna get again to the playoffs? It was like a lot of football yet to play. It's like the point is, is like that sort of negativity, positivity kind of thinking is this dichotomy you as a business owner, I think, have to have. And that's when things are going good. And I remember this like two, three weeks ago, I asked my team about certain things. They're like, yeah, things are really gelling. It's like all of a sudden I became paranoid. And sure enough, we had a lot of stuff that happened in the last couple of weeks through no fault of our own. And it was at that point I realized – I remember that moment in time, and as soon as things are going good, that's when you have to start becoming anti-complacent because hmm. complacency in this market kills. You've got an offer right now that's crushing. Everything is going great. You know, your ROAS is off the charts. Now is the time to think about the next iteration of it. Not take your foot off the gas on what you currently have. Ride that sucker out as much as you can, but also realize at some point it's going to end, so now is the time to plan for it. Does that make sense? No, it does. So you said something I want to rewind because it really impacted me. I, I love the, the the Belichick example of focusing on the negative, but the near term. Because the thing that's deadly for, for me and I think for a lot of people is if you focus on the negative long term, like someday the sun's going to burn out, right? right like right. You can go far enough out and the world's going to end no matter what we do. Right. And, and I think if you go in, you know, I'm being hyperbolic, but if you worry too far out ahead, there's just nothing you can do about it. You know, it goes yes. back to Stephen Covey's like circle of influence and circle of concern. So I like focus on the negative at hand in the near term, but then zoom out on the positive and focus on the positive. And so it's kind of like bifocal lenses. Mm -hmm. If I'm, if I'm zoomed in, I'm only looking at the negative. What can I improve? And then if I zoom out, then I try to focus on the positive. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Like in Belichick's case, like winning a Super Bowl is the goal. Like we all have goals. Like we've got year goals. I've got three year goals, five year, 10 year goals. We call it an 11 year goal, like a BHAG kind of goal, big, hairy, audacious goal. So that is very positive. But in the short term is all this stuff that's right in front of you. You've got to be really paranoid about it. And I think Andy Grove said it best. It's like only the paranoid survive. Mm. It's like, I do think like uh, two years ago when things were going really good, I'm like, wow, this is amazing. Like things are just flowing. It's like that's the time to start thinking about what could change. Right. 
That's when we started to diversify away from just Facebook. That's when we started to say, okay, at some point, something's going to happen where I don't know what it is. And we were just talking about this right now. We don't know what that thing is two, three years out. So now's the time to change course and plan for it. In our case, it was after the click, our doubling down on our creative side, like doing all the things which now are paying dividends. And even though it wasn't like the best year we've ever had, we have come through remarkably well considering the challenges that we faced. And I think that kind of duality, you know, sort of seeing what's happening, not being complacent with what you've got and planning for the future, but also having a positive, like if you're negative too far out, you don't, you know, that's too far to be negative, like negative, like right in front of you, like this week against the bills next week against Miami, the week after that against Jacksonville. It's like, they're not thinking about the Jacksonville game this week. Mm. You know what I mean? Like they're looking at right in front of them. And I think you as a business owner have to have that, that, that balance between short-term and long-term thinking, negative and positive thinking. You also got to motivate your team, especially if you're the leader. You're like, oh, things are going to go to hell in 2022. Like you can't think like that, but you have to think in your mind, I'm prepping for that. Something's going to happen that's going to change. And I think this year was a really good example of that occurring especially in social, especially in Facebook, a lot of businesses didn't make it custom yeah. as a result yeah. of all this stuff. That's a sobering truth, man, especially at the end of the year, you know, thinking about that and, and what that means. We just talked about the importance of our business to us. I mean, it's, 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 like, a, it's like a kid in some ways. You know, you've like incubated it and, and grown it from infancy. And when you see some, I mean, some businesses that go under are built to go under, but some of them that went under could have survived in you know with maybe some different decision making yeah and i just got sad and dark i'm sorry well diversity of diversity of traffic i think is one of those things and we were talking about this single source shop for one channel as an agency or like we're looking at it from an agency lens but also as a business owner if you're incredibly dependent upon one channel that's not a good spot to be in or one I offer. Yeah. I would be terrified at that. And those are the ones, one offer, one product, one channel. Those are the ones that I saw this year that didn't come through or took a pause, reflected, can I actually make online work for me? And when things are going well, it's time to start prepping for and changing and preparing for when things won't go well. So negative, positive here to a certain degree, but I think that's what you got to do to be able to survive and thrive, especially in this world. Having said that, the future is pretty damn bright though. It's like, it's crazy how much interest there is out there in the world about service-based businesses or online just in general. Mm -hmm. And COVID, as bad as 2020 was for a lot of businesses, made the world realize like, this is a channel you can't just say is, oh, that's just another thing we're going to do. Like we have to focus on it. And I think that's what we talk about here. So, and I think that's why our listenership is growing maybe perhaps as well. Maybe it's because of your boy band, good looks, but I, I think I'm going to, I don't have this thought fully formed. So forgive my inability to articulate it, but I feel like what COVID did was it, it integrated 
the digital and the analog beyond where we've ever been. The internet used to be like its own plane. It was its own thing. So there's like, you know, brick and mortar, the real world, and then there was online. And because COVID had so many limitations in terms of where you could go, who you could make contact with, how many people could be in here, it it made a lot of analog experiences either digital or like supplemented with the digital. You know, you, you, you bought your groceries online, but then you drove down there and then they brought them out to you. Uh, my mm. wife uh, got us um, uh, Chick-fil-A, the chicken noodle soup. We had somebody who was sick in our home, and so she went and got chicken noodle soup. And Chick-fil-A, I'd never ordered from there before, but they tell you to tell them what parking lot or what parking spot you're in. And then they yeah. like that the, the digital to analog amalgamation, that's very new. You know, it's it's that's augmented huge. reality. And uh, I, I feel like the opportunity, the point that you just made, the opportunity that provides, like we haven't, we haven't scratched the surface of that. That's going to be so exciting for so many businesses, improve profitability, efficiency, customer reach. Um, and, and, you know, seeing the, the light in the darkness that came from COVID, it was, you know, a, a force of necessity. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a really good point that, that merging of the two worlds. And I mean, you know, both are being used at the same time. It's like Uber Eats. Like I've never yeah. used Uber Eats more than I ever have. Like there's no place really here in Sagamore Beach that does it. But when I'm in Brookline, like there's hundreds of restaurants. Like that's a merging of an app, online ordering. Like there's no more calling up and ordering a – I mean I guess <clears throat> actually the local pizza place here, you still have to call up. <laughs> they don't have no online presence at all. But in most cases, it's ordering online having it delivered instacart like i don't think my wife has gone out and done grocery shopping like in the last two years and neither have i really i mean i do it occasionally just to pick up stuff but dude i will like do it just because i want to get out of the house i'll be like i'm going yeah. i'm going to safeway for no other reason than i want to get up and walk around and not be yeah. in this little box yeah but otherwise yeah. there's no reason to right so the convergence of all worlds is is really interesting. And you've seen this quite a bit, I think, in your business. I mean, you rely very heavily on, you know, a lot of the local businesses. There is an online, and obviously you're doing Google search, but there's like an offline component to phone calls, you know, order queries, getting people like on a call to determine a service, that kind of stuff. Like you've seen that, I think, a lot more probably than I think our business has in a lot of ways. We do have a couple of service-based businesses, like, well, actually a half a dozen. The point is, is like yours is a lot more that way. You've almost been seeing it through your business more so. Am I right in assuming that? Oh, or So one of the things that sets us apart, and here we, I am talking about my agency again, so forgive me, but most ad agencies. Oh, no. Uh-oh. Yeah. We should have like a warning. There should be like an audible. One-star review coming. Yeah. <laughs> um, most ad agencies don't listen to and track phone calls. Um, or, you know, other offline conversions, but what they'll do instead is say, oh, if a phone call lasted longer than 45 seconds, it's a lead, whatever. Um, I have a team that does nothing but listen to and scores calls based on the customer's goal. So if you're an attorney and somebody calls and they're looking for an attorney, then that's a five-star uh, call. And if you're an attorney and somebody calls and they're trying to solicit to you, then that's a, you know, zero stars, very binary. The reason that's so important though, is because I think the offline conversions very often, depending on the business you're in, but very often tend to be more valuable than the conversions that I can see that just take place on your website. And we've seen this in e-commerce. I've got a client, they're very large. They do seven figures a month in spend. They're publicly traded. And 15% of their e-commerce conversions, 15% of their 
uh, Google ads driven e-com conversions happen via phone call. And we were on a call with the executive staff and one of the, the members of the, the, the staff. And, and this is an indictment on him at all. He had no way of knowing this, but he said, hey, can't we just take the other 85% and average out what the 15% probably equates to? And the answer is no. Because when somebody buys online, that's a different purchase than when somebody calls. When they call, they're usually larger orders, probably first-time customers. They might have issues that you haven't identified elsewhere. They're, they could have shown you a fail point in your purchase process. So the, the offline conversion, and I'm talking about phone calls because that's what I do have visibility into. But you know, people coming into the store, seeing the, the Facebook ad, and then buying it on the shelf at Walmart, that type of, we call that a conversion lift. That type of conversion lift is so important to be cognizant of. I can't say the word track because it's not always a trackable event, but you can get a sense to it. You know, it's kind of like licking your finger and sticking it up in the air. Like you can get a sense as to which way the wind is blowing. And, and if you don't want to give credit to the ads for the conversion lift, then you're going to be doing that at your detriment. And we see that over and over and over again. We see it with clients. I'm a Google ads agency. I don't run Facebook ads at all, but I can tell you that we have clients that came in after iOS and said, we can't attribute conversions back to Facebook. So we're going to turn it off. And then their Google ads performance declined because Facebook right. was the acquisition strategy. They just couldn't see it. So we've gotten so obsessed with just looking at the data that people haven't, you know, talked about zooming out, zoom out a little bit and realize like, well, okay, I spent money and I made more money than I spent and that's good. And maybe I shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting on the phone call side of the equation, like what that, what that attribution or, or credit looks like. Have you, have you looked at offline conversions? So for example, somebody sees a Google ad, doesn't necessarily click or call, but maybe goes to the store, buys. Is there any way in your world that that is a useful and helpful? We, we call it offline conversions on Facebook, which we use. But is there an equivalent of that that you find useful? And in what type of business would it be? Yeah. So I'll give you a really specific example that hits close to home. My dad sells hand knotted area rugs. Uh, people call them Persian rugs, even though they're not all Persian, which I know comes quite a surprise given my heritage. Um, so he, he sells these really expensive hand knotted, you know, one rug can be 10 grand, 100 grand, they're like, you know, very high end. And, and I say that to say that people aren't buying these online just yet. They might get there and he has an online component. But for the most part, we, we carpet bomb them with ads and then someday, and it's usually 12, 18 months, the best that we can, we can see, they come in and they buy a rug, but there's no GCLID. There's no unique identifier that says, oh, you clicked on this ad at this time. There's no attribution modeling. There's no, you know, a uh, uh, view through conversion rate. You can't see that. So now we're back to kind of like more of an analog, like. Uh, and, and this is a really important note, by the way, for anybody in retail or even professional services, his team doesn't get commission if they don't find out how the customer heard about them. <laughs> they don't get paid if they sell a rug. You don't get paid for that rug if you don't ask. And by the way, how did you hear about us? And my dad, because he's a marketer before he's anything, um, he'll dig deep. And, and, you know, his sales team doesn't do this as well as he does, but because he makes friends with the people he works with, just like all of us do. And he'll ask, he'll be like, hey, it's really important if you don't mind. Do you remember what, what picture you were looking at or what site you were on or, you know, what the messaging was? And people want to help. They're, you know, they're there. If you if you hmm. built a relationship with somebody to the point where they're willing to give you, you know, five figures or something they're going to walk on, then you're probably at a point where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm happy to, you know, if I can, my gosh, I think I was on CNN and I think whatever. 
And that's, that's important information. And, and then my dad measures and gauges by conversion lift. Um, that's a hard way to run ads. It's the only way you can do it in his yeah. business right now. Google played with something. I don't know if you remember this. It played with something called Beacon. They had these little plastic, I think they were RFID or NFC yeah. devices that they put in retail stores. And they were trying to, they were trying to connect the dots, like triangulate when people searched and purchased and whatever. And I don't know why they killed that initiative other than I think that they're, they were worried that it was an overstep from a privacy perspective. So technologically, it was sound. I think that, you know, in terms of hitting social integration, they're terrified of antitrust. They don't want to uh, honestly be where they are right now, which is with everybody looking at them under a microscope as to what they're tracking. So I think that Google could do more offline than they do. I think they choose not to defensively uh, because they don't want they don't want to get into trouble. I, I don't know how well I did just answering your question, though, Ralph. I kind of danced around it a little bit. Well, I mean, it's a factor. I mean, for, for, for us, like I, we've had a number of our service-based businesses that were not tracking the offline thing. And, and, and really all we do is a manual upload and all of a sudden it attributes it back to what we're doing. Now, does Facebook want to take more credit in most cases? <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, absolutely. But it shows like the, the offline influence of online which I think is a, an important play. Like, for example, we were talking to a customer this past week, which was been doing great, like phenomenally well. And out of the blue, they looked at their numbers and they had some financial issues with some of their shipping costs and a couple of other things that go on. They were really looking at, and this is an, an example of yet another customer that we've talked to about this sort of thing. Look at your total marketing mix. Don't look at just Facebook because yes, there's about 20 or 30% visibility that's been lost there. Okay. So we're missing out on that, but numbers still overall look pretty good. Like they're within the KPI that you want, but then look at your Google, look at your text, look at your email, look at your total marketing mix. Like what are you spending all there? Cause those emails that are captured and the text messages and the phone numbers are caught from their Facebook ads or their hmm. Google ads. So, Let's give credit where credit's due. But what they were doing is they were really looking at just their online sales. And that unto itself, we were overperforming. But with enhanced costs, with shipping issues, with you know supply chain, all the stuff that's going on right now, which does affect, they have a very large offline business. It's like, why aren't we tracking offline conversions here? Because... Like I know their stuff, their stuff is in all kinds of different retail outlets, and like we are showing it to the vast majority of their, you know, their target audience throughout the United States. And what is the influence of social on offline? And for some of our customers, we don't do it in a real time sync. We'll do it like as a manual upload, and then all of a sudden, it completely transforms what you thought you were doing online when you have an offline presence. All of a sudden, it's like, holy cow, like, look at how influential. Yes, Facebook is trying to take all the credit for the sale, and it probably wasn't the one thing. But the point is, is it shows the influence. And now, all of a sudden, we're seeing 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 percent enhanced influence on a sale that we otherwise wouldn't have counted through their Shopify store. So that kind of stuff can't be understated especially now and that's what you're talking about with this merging of these worlds together like we probably wouldn't have looked at that 
you know, two years ago quite as much. Well, customers didn't um, want to hear it two years ago. You know, online was online and offline was offline. Yeah, there is a exactly. And your point here is that I think that all those things have all merged together and COVID forced it more than anything in a very visible way. Yeah, I'm going to order my chicken soup online. Then I'm going to go wait in a parking spot and get it delivered and put in my backseat or my trunk or whatever it is. You know, like we do that too. Like, that's crazy. Like, I never thought of that actually happening. And now it's all happening. And I think you got to look at things very, very differently in 2022. And if you have an online presence and offline, or like, what is your total marketing mix and looking at it, just like you're saying, like, here's what I'm spending every single month. And here's what I'm making. Like, here's my cost of goods sold. Here's my gross profit margin. Uh, you know, know your numbers, know what you can pay to acquire a customer, know what your long-term value of the customer is, and then sort of pick apart the parts which need to be enhanced in not being complacent. Going back to my original point, you know, if you have a 2% conversion rate on traffic, like what can you do to increase that to 4%? You know, if you have a hundred dollar AOV, what can you do to increase that to 150 like those little things, those little tweaks are the things that we really look at now more than anything, more than a traffic hack mm. or a campaign. You know, we've got this customer acquisition amplification system we use, but like all those little things like are kind of secondary to like, how can you help grow the business and enhance all those things and test them? And I think that was a huge learning for us this past year. And it's a major area of focus. Thinking more like a business owner as opposed to a, I'm online, I'm offline, this is online, this is Facebook, Google in their little silos. It's all together. It all enhances the business in one way, shape, or form. Figure out where your points of inflection are and work on those and improve them. Even if you're like, yeah, things are pretty good right now. Be paranoid. Be like Bill Belichick. Say negative, you know? Like stay on that. Like if I can improve my conversion rates, if I can improve my AOV, if I can improve my LTV, all that stuff is additive to the business. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I want to add an, another one on my list of five that is pertinent to what you just said, and I, I call it sticky nimble. I think people need to be sticky nimble. And what I mean by that is online marketing specifically favors people that move quickly, or it has in the past. Um, and so you get you get the propensity for folks to, to be willing to jump from one thing to the other but I think too quickly. And what we saw with the iOS update is there were people that were on the, the Facebook boat. And when they started to see a poor performance, they jumped off the boat. Hey, it's Kasim here. And I have a question for you. What if you could legally get the emails of almost every person who visits your website? Now, I know that sounds crazy, but seriously, what if you could safely and respectfully target your website visitors via email just by dropping a pixel onto your site? It might sound too good to be true, but our new sponsors at getemails.com can do just that. They've created a system that's compliant with U.S. laws and regulations, and every email address they send you is opted in to receive emails. That means you can connect your anonymous website visitors to real people and then safely retarget them through email with real-time, fully compliant interactions. I've personally met the CEO, Adam Robinson, and the guy is absolutely brilliant. And he believes in his product so much that he's willing to do something a little crazy for PT listeners. If you are an e-commerce brand that's doing over a million in annual revenue, and 
You've gone through their easy 30-minute onboarding process. If you don't 5X your investment within the first six months, they will give you all of your money back. To take advantage of this offer, go to getemails.com forward slash scalable. That's getemails.com forward slash scalable. Hey, PT listeners, when's the last time your business published on its blog? If the answer is, that's way too long for me to remember, I want you to listen up because our friends at BKA Content have a news service where they'll deliver fresh blogs to your inbox and all you have to do is just post them on your site. Now, these articles are all originally written just for your business. They're not generic articles that are just copy and pasted or thrown into some AI software or written by a VA. No, these are professional writers who are going to sit down and write articles just for your business. We've used them in the past, and they're absolutely fabulous. Now, if you want an extra reason to go try them yourself, BK is giving PT listeners half off their first month. Just go to bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual to get started. That's bkacontent.com forward slash perpetual. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, great. You're nimble. You just you got off this thing. It was still working. You just couldn't tell in all, all in what areas. So I would, I would, I, I like to call it, I'll, I'll use a basketball analogy, but it's, it's you're keeping your pivot foot down, you know, like you got your pivot foot down, you can still move. You have a ton of options and opportunities for you. But the, the minute you relinquish that position, it's so hard to go back. Mm. So being nimble is important, making changes, you know, keeping your head up, but, but, be a little sticky, you know, be willing to like stick it out and just see, maybe I don't see everything that's going on. Maybe I just need to weather this storm because some of the folks that did benefited from it. There was such a rush away from Facebook that I noticed that my customers that stuck with it, they actually saw in some cases, decreased CPMs and increased performance. All right. We're up, well, we're halfway through the list here of things that we learned in 2021 and going, moving forward into 2022. We'll come back with the rest of the list after this quick break. If you're like me and you're running a lot of advertising, finding the time and energy to design high converting creatives for my clients can be exhausting, not to mention time consuming. And as business owners, we need to focus on the business and not be in the business. So when we need custom graphics or videos made inside tier 11, we use a no limit creatives. We don't use them on every single customer account. Keep in mind, we have a very large creative team. But NLC is the place that we go when we need just a little bit of help or maybe we've got too many ads that are sort of lined up and we have a capacity issue. So that's how we use them. I would highly recommend that you use them as well. They're the go-to design service for agencies and brands globally, and they service thousands of businesses every single year. So they'll get your company and your message absolutely right. And right now, they're offering all of our listeners here at Perpetual Traffic 50% off the first month of service. When you just try them out, just head on over to nlc.com forward slash ads. Use coupon code PTP at checkout. That's PTP to get your 50% off instant savings. Enhance your image today with No Limit Creatives. All right, we are back. So, Kasim, let's get going through the rest of the list. So, mm -hmm. uh, number three on my list is Sticky Nimble, which had hashtag trademark patent pending. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like Sticky Nimble because it's not a wholesale change, right? And 
it's like, don't, you know, the easy thing to do is, or, oh God, let's look at online. Oh my God. Like all of a sudden our costs are increased and our 2X, 3X ROAS no longer is 2X, 3X because all this stuff has changed. Let's just pull out a social. That is the wrong strategy. When we saw it it's, so it's the often, wrong. man. Like, and it, yeah. man, we saw a lot of people do that. It's like, keep that one pivot, you know, foot down, you know, you can move the other one around a little bit and wherever you put that, like that's, uh, I think I like the sticky nimble, sticky nimble.com <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> trademark. Um, but no, like that, that's important because I think the ones that started to look at things a little bit more in a, in a diverse way are the ones that really won this year. Oh, like yeah. looking at, you know, how can I, uh, how can I fold in Google ads into the mix, YouTube, Snapchat, TikTok, you know, Facebook, maybe I'm not seeing it, but if you cut your, we've seen this over and over and over again, it's like cut your, but like we had one of the largest customers we ever had. It was like spending $2 million a month and every now and then, like they were doing it, like doing their ad spend on credit cards, like the credit card would fail. And so we'd see like their Facebook ad spend will go down like this. Their Amazon went down, their Google went mm. down, their search went down, everything went down with it. And if you just completely pull out, that was not necessarily, I mean, obviously that's been now since solved. But the point was, is it showed that correlation to one channel affecting everything else. And I think if you're just wanting to pull out and go from here to there, you're never going to really gain any traction in your business. Keep that one pivot point down and look at other ways in which you can diversify. And uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And we've seen it when people have not been sticky nimble and they're the ones that just never really came back. Yeah. Well, and once you've, once you've made the departure, it's so hard to get back in. I've got a, a buddy, Scott Cunningham. You probably know him, Ralph. He's super sharp guy. He founded Merchant yeah. Mastery. He's the Shopify guru. Uh, mm -hmm. Scott, you know, he was running Facebook ads for folks, got hit pretty hard, was worried about it, continued with Facebook ads, started testing Snapchat. And I asked him about it later and I was like, hey, dude, how's, how's Snapchat working? And, and he was like, oh, it's now they're both working. So he went from, you know, being a little bit worried, stuck with what he know worked, opened up another channel, and then now has kind of two really functional modalities for his, his Shopify store owner. So I won't beat that dead horse any further, but I just, I, I think that I see my clients and, and y'all, I hope our listeners don't feel like we're speaking down to them because I do this exact same thing in other contexts. I'm a marketer, so I believe in marketing, but there are times where I want to Alamo up too. But, but I'm always worried, you know, we'll see a client who has issues that aren't even related to marketing, you know, supply chain issues or something goes down or something stops working and, and they just want to instantly say, okay, just turn everything off because they get scared. And it's the worst mm -hmm. thing you can do because now yeah. you're not thinking about the, you know, the, the, the nine, 12, 18 month horizon that you just kind of ruined because the next three or four days look a little. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a big mistake and it's a common reaction. I think, especially to, you know, uh, business owners who might be newer in the online space too. So you have this surge of, of online businesses in 2020, right? Still a lot of those folks that discovered the online world are still relatively new. So when something does change, a supply change, you know, a chain change happens, easy for me to say, you know, shipping costs increase. You know, whatever the whatever it happens to be, you can't get parts from your Singapore plant. You know, whatever it is, 
they freak out because it's new. But if it was the regular business, non-online, they would kind of know what to do, but still there right. is an element to, we still have a lot of new advertisers. Like it's hard to sort of fathom that because we've been doing this for 10 years or whatever. You know, the, a lot of those people are brand new to the space. So it's almost like you need to kind of coach them through it too. Uh, you know, if you are an agency, that's part of your job now. Really it is. Because you're trying what to do... intelligent point that is, if you're an agency, you're really on a lot of levels a business consultant. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think those are the most, those are actually the most rewarding interactions. You know, especially yeah. if you've been around or you've seen a lot whatever, like if you're, you know, if you're a new agency owner and you're a kid right out of college, you might not have that kind of experience. You might, you know, have a lot of common sense and, and emotional intelligence and all that sort of stuff. But like, if you've seen a lot of ups and downs, spend a lot of time at colleges, do you? Ralph? Yeah. Well, <laughs> that, that was mean. <laughs> I, I did. I, I did live through the 1918 pandemic. Mm. So I've seen a few ups and downs according, according to a previous guest. Uh, but no, no, yeah, actually in college, I actually just did a, a sort of a college stint and I was amazed at how naive they all were. But anyway, they'll figure it out once they get out into the, the real world. We just alienated all our I know. Uh, college age listeners. So, but no, I, I think there's, um, there's some, a lot of truth in what you're saying here. And um, what else you got? So the, I just dropped number four. It's remember tomorrow, um, which is, you know, punny. Um, and then number five, and this is going to get real childish. Okay, Ralph, we're going to go back to preschool, but uh, it's tell the truth. Um, I had a lot of, and this happened both internal and external, but what I saw this last year is when the bottom fell out for some folks, the way they chose to approach it was to try to maintain their positioning as the expert. And they felt like, oh, I'm the expert, so I need to know. Mm -hmm. And they started offering information that, I'm not gonna say that they lied because I don't think they did. They, didn't, they weren't trying to deceive, but they didn't necessarily know the answer and so they conjured one up. Mm. Um, and this happened with internal marketing managers. They were speaking to you know, the folks that they were answerable to, like, hey, why isn't this working? Um, and then this, I also saw this happen with some, some agency friends. And the ones that weathered the storm the best were the ones that said, hey, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And that's okay. I think it's okay to be like, you know, I, I am the expert and I'm the expert right now telling you I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that when in doubt, I, to, to rely on, you know, the truth is the strongest thing that we have. And it's of foundational importance. And you build on it. And if you're ever building on anything that's not the truth, your foundation is, it's rotten. And it, it's going to come back to haunt you. And so I think that, you know, and I, I don't want to say that I learned this last year, but I definitely saw that lesson buttressed is to just, man, if you don't know, I don't know. Or how about it's bad? Hey, you know, if you're the agency that first calls your client and says, hey, I just want you to know that your traffic costs are increasing. I anticipate your cost per lead increasing, which means I anticipate your CAC increasing. We should talk about some ways to diversify. I'd much mm -hmm. rather that call than, oh, I hope they don't notice, right? Mm -hmm. Like just tell the truth. Yeah, it's, it's uh, my, my, my kids are in college, obviously, uh -oh. one of them is a business major. And one of the things my wife and I are just so adamant that he gets, he takes this course, I think it's actually an elective, is business ethics. Mm. And, 
you know, we, we don't talk about a lot of this on this show all that much, but like we have a manifesto, we have a way in which you know, we approach customers and it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to admit that you're wrong. It's okay to tell the truth, even if the truth hurts, but like that's business. And for example, like we had an, an issue with a customer a week or so ago, like we were guilty. Like I, like we weren't doing the things that we should have been doing and it's okay. And it's like, as a, as an agency owner on a podcast that has a lot of people that listen, the thing that I should be doing is saying, yeah, we're perfect. We're great. We do everything right. No, we don't. Mm. Do we do it always perfectly? No. And it's okay to admit that fact. Now, if you are admitting the fact that you're always doing things not right, then you're just incompetent. <laughs> <laughs> There's a difference between incompetence and competence with humility and admitting that you're wrong or that you maybe made a mistake like in this case it was a communication thing i wrote an email about it uh just recently if you're on the tier 11 list i write all the emails like i that this is the deal like we screwed up and i think that comes back to business ethics and it's not the easy thing to do but it's the right thing to do and i think you know in a lot of cases like when we like make a mistake or we don't get it right. We do everything we possibly can to make it right. Hmm. And if you as a business owner or you have customers or maybe you're an agency or maybe you're a CMO or like whoever you are, like, like bring that to the table. Like that there's a, there's a thing called fair balance that we always used to use in the pharmaceutical industry. Like tell them all the great benefits of like the drug that we're, you know, you, I'm sure you probably love this. You're a migraine sufferer. Like when I, Imitrex, when I launched Imitrex, Sumatriptan, like it was like great stuff here. Great, 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 great. And then at the end, oh, by the way, if you take it, you know, you might suffer a myocardial infarction, which is basically a heart attack. So we mentioned that at the end, you know, but the doctor then says, oh, okay. And that was called fair balance. It was a selling tool, believe it or not, that was deployed by the pharmaceutical industry to make your sales pitch more believable. And I'm not saying that you have, you know, a myocardial infarct as like your side effect as your business, but being honest with your customers actually makes you be more marketable, saleable, real. And I think those are the businesses that really survive instead of just making it up, thinking you have the solution. We saw a lot of charlatans in this past year say, oh, I've got the solution for this. Bullshit. They didn't. Mm. They're selling, you know snake oil and well, it's because whatever they were selling beforehand stopped working so correct. Go figure something else out. correct and i think business ethics and admitting you're wrong and admitting that you might not have all the answers but then doing everything you can to fix it like that's all people can ask right. for in business like people are going to make mistakes we're human we are imperfect you know although your hair is pretty perfect Just um go on Ralph. i moisturize you know <laughs> certain aspects uh but anyway so that that i think is a is a huge takeaway and it's one that uh i think you and i really really agree on here i was hoping we could like disagree on some of these takeaways for 2021 but apparently well not. so i've got one for the future all right we did the, five, the five things that i've earned there you go. so i've got here's the number one most important thing that i think people can do for the future is is build a community i'm looking at how how transient traffic is and how hard it is to get a view. And I think that, you know, this podcast is a good example. The podcast, and this is really your community. You've done this for five years 
um, I've got a YouTube channel. It's small. My subscriber base is less than 6,000, but it's a community. Like you might have an email list or a Twitter following. We, we talked to the gal who's the, the, the Twitter guru. Yep. Um, I think building it. a community sure. is the most important thing you can do because it, it takes the edge off when a traffic channel stops working, number one. Number two, it gives you the opportunity to take that view and convert a single view into a, a perpetual relationship. Hey, idea for new podcast, perpetual relationships. Perpetual relationship. <laughs> so I think that for businesses in the future, choose one channel. I don't care what it is. Um, I love YouTube personally because it's, it's easy and it's accessible. Podcasting is great if you've got a voice like Ralph. Um, I choose one channel and I would work on building a community. And when you build a community, by the way, you might say like, well, I, I don't have you know an email list to 20,000 or whatever. That doesn't matter. I think that when you're building a community, you need to celebrate every single individual person that joins that community, every subscriber, every follower, every listener. You know, it's like if you had a community center, imagine this, if you started a small community center, let's say in your, in, in your, in your town and you actually had a brick and mortar, we'll talk about the digital, the analog, you know, uh, amalgamation that we've been discussing. Every person who walked in would be exciting. You know, you might only have five or six or seven people show up the very first time for your first meetup, mm -hmm. but those five or six, I mean, that's, that's kind of a big deal to get five or six or seven people into a room. Yeah. And those are five or six, seven people with families and jobs and souls. And, you know, like those are real humans and right. they should be treated accordingly and celebrated. And so if you're building your community, the way to do it is to celebrate every individual win. And that'll make those small numbers. It'll make them exciting instead of demotivating, which is where, the way I think most people, if you're looking at a YouTube channel with 300 subscribers, which is where I was when I started a year and a half ago, you know, you're like, gosh, how am I ever going to get to 50,000? Well, don't. Don't build a community and build it one person at a time. Yep. And if you do that for your business, regardless of the business you're in, then when there is a dip in traffic, you have a place to go. You have a well that runs really deep. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think your, your YouTube channel is a perfect example of that. It might not have a million, you know, subscribers, followers, whatever you do over there on YouTube. But the point is, it's the right types of people too. And it starts with onesies, twosies, as long as you're consistent with it. And yep. you're bringing good content to it. Like, that's how we started here, too. I mean, now there's a lot, you know, there's a lot more competition in the, in the marketing space, obviously, in iTunes and Spotify and Stitcher and all that. But the point is, we've done it sort of one at a time. And every listener is important. And, you know, from, from our perspective, obviously, we do this because we have businesses and we talk about those things. And then we do get business from this show, which is great. But it's like very, very targeted to the types of people that I think we really want to work with too. And if you've got a podcast that I was talking to a guy the other day, who started a podcast um, about a year or so ago. He doesn't even know his download numbers, but he knows mm -hmm. like the people that are attracted to it are the, his ideal customer. And not only does it help attract them, but it also helps convince them that what he's doing is something that's really transformative. And my guess is he probably hasn't gotten any more than maybe a couple of thousand downloads, but it's like, it's the best thing he ever did because he created a community, exactly what you're saying. And it's now helped his business tremendously. So if you're not doing that in uh, 2022, I highly encourage you to do it. And it does take that first step and you got to be consistent with it, right? Your YouTube channel, every single day you do a video? Every day, do a video every day. Even on weekends. And, yeah, honestly. Sorry? On weekends too? 
Oh no, every every weekday, and every I, weekday. I'll batch record. Like Got if it. I have, you know, I might have a block on Monday where I get three or four of them done. My business partner goes live every Monday, so there's ways to take the pressure off. But there's one posted every day, and uh, if you do if you do one a day for ninety days, you'll notice that YouTube's algorithm actually starts to starts to prioritize your views, and that's that's when my my viewership went up. For the first 90 days, we got nothing, but it doesn't have to be YouTube. You know, you might say like, gosh, I really don't want to do video. Well, mm -hmm. great. You know, maybe you're like great with Twitter or right. great with podcasting. Like choose. And, and I would actually encourage people not to try to do multiple. Just yeah. go choose one. Just go pick one. Yeah. We've had some guests on here that have done exactly that. Like Nick Shackelford, go back and listen to that episode. Savannah Sanchez, like Twitter was the thing for them. It's like, if that's not your thing, then figure out what it is, you know, but do it. We did it here. We now have two podcasts a week because we realize the more content, the better. It's not just to tweak the iTunes algorithms because, you know, we enjoy doing it and it creates more content and more value for the listener. And that's how you create community. So, And if you all don't mind me getting super sappy and soft on you, I will say that everybody who's listening, we truly appreciate you, care about you, and we'd love for you to help make us better. This is your podcast as much as it's ours. We've got a, an anonymous survey you can fill out for us. It's perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better. You can tell us one thing that we do well, three improvement opportunities, which is a very nice way of phrasing that, by the mm, way. Yes. And then other traffic topics you're interested in hearing about in the future. And uh, y'all, we'll go hunt them down. If there's a thought leader you want to hear about or if there's a subject you want us to talk to, like let us know. And we've got some pull here. Ryan's got a Rolodex, I hear. Hmm. Yeah, he does. He knows a few Can we just people. go muscle him into like, you know, give us who you know. We have. Yeah, we should start doing more of that. <laughs> Although, yeah, he's not very difficult to wrestle because he's, you know, kind of comes up to your shoulder. But he's fast. You, you got to catch knee. him first. All right. Well, that is it for this week's episode. And uh, I think I actually uh, am in trouble with my wife because we're supposed to leave and go to my brother's house. Uh -oh. <laughs> so I've got to like hustle on out of here. But uh, it's been great catching up and looking forward to a 2022 with you and uh, – I think it's going to be a pretty exciting year. There's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of good things we talked about here. You know, don't be afraid to make a few pivots, a few changes along the way. But I think 2022 is going to be an exciting year in our space. And uh, I thank you all for listening. We really do appreciate you, the Perpetual Traffic listener. It's why we do the show. It's why we woke up early on a Sunday morning after Christmas and did the show. Because we just want to deliver it to you guys. And... Um, if you do leave us a positive review over on iTunes or your podcast place of choice, be that Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, uh, leave us a positive review and we will read it here on the show. So uh, and make sure you subscribe to the show as well. So you can also follow us over at Ralph HB and Qasem Aslam on Twitter and go back and listen to some of the previous episodes. We'll mention all the stuff in the show notes here over at perpetualtraffic.com. Also fill out that survey, perpetualtraffic.com forward slash better for any recommendations on uh, how to make the show better in 2022. Really appreciate you all on behalf of my awesome co-host, Cosmo Aslam. Until next show, see ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic 